Hello, and welcome to As Yet Untold, a podcast that allows a space for deep conversations on individuals and topics you may think you already know everything about, but in fact, you don't. My name is Javez Siddiqui, and I am the host of this podcast. I'm also the president and CEO of the Hunt Institute, an education policy organization founded by four-term North Carolina Governor Jim Hunt. My guest today is prominent in the field of education philanthropy, particularly in higher education. As president and board chair of the John M. Belk Endowment, MC Belk Pylon oversees initiatives that are critical for many students in North Carolina to succeed with their post-secondary goals. In addition to her work at the endowment, she serves on many boards of organizations focused on higher education attainment, including My Future NC and College Advising Corps. The Hunt Institute is privileged to call MC a partner and a dear friend. MC, welcome to As Yet Untold. Thanks, Jared. Excited to be on this podcast with you today. So, MC, we typically start this conversation uh, with our guests as uh, like right at the beginning. Uh, tell us a little bit about your childhood. What was it like growing up? Hmm, my childhood. Well, just like everyone else's, I guess. Um, I used to kiss the TV goodnight during city council meetings when my dad was mayor. I had no clue that the joke was really on me. Um, and then I guess really I was a tomboy. So I was most of the moms in the neighborhood and babysitters worst nightmares. Further explain, my neighborhood was on a first name basis with our local fire department because I love to climb trees and really high and would just scare everyone to death. They were afraid I was going to get stuck. So still to this day, I gain a great deal of energy and inspiration from nature and the healing powers of the great outdoors. Yep. Well, I know you enjoy the great outdoors. I know you actually are in Colorado as we speak. So uh, I appreciate you making time from so far away. Uh, So, you know, I found that most people who dedicate themselves to the education space have some pretty vivid memories of their own educational experiences. Are there any in particular that you draw from in, in your work? Sure, we have a lot. So the Boke family has always valued education and entrepreneurship. So let's sort of walk back in history to the Civil War in Monroe, North Carolina. My great grandfather was drowned by Sherman troops in front of his family because they thought he was hiding gold. Leaving his wife and three young children, the oldest being my grandfather, William Henry Boke, who was five years old at the time, to suddenly become the man of the family and taking on much responsibility. At a young age, my great grandmother drove a horse and buggy from Monroe to Waxhaw with three young children, where sadly one of them died along the trip. I'm getting to a point here. But William Henry Belk and his brother, the Dr. John M. Belk, were left. So at the age of five, my grandfather went to work in the tobacco fields as a farmer. He couldn't afford to go to school. And so without a formal education, he went to work at a local mercantile where he worked for 12 years to start his own store. It was launched in 1888. William was debt-free and was turning a profit within six months on a cash-only basis. Unable to afford college for himself, in addition to saving for his own business, William put his brother, John, through college that eventually became a doctor. He had a great sense of pride that he invested in all six of his children's post-secondary education experiences. Um, Our founder, John Belk, had much respect and appreciation for the opportunity to attend post-secondary education. And when he graduated, he presented his diploma to his dad. He also created a scholarship at his alma mater that would source our nation's young people 
and connect them to the liberal arts college experience that he had because it had impacted his life in so many different ways. For me personally, education taught many life lessons. School did not come easy to me. And so it taught me a work ethic. It taught me how to be my own advocate and that there is always a solution to anything that's a barrier. There is no better advocate than you. I, I, I can attest to that. Uh, and work ethic, uh, sometimes I think, I don't know what sleep is, but then I realize that you're still awake. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so I appreciate both of those uh, attributes. Um, so you mentioned you kind of dabbled on philanthropy there. Uh, it has been an integral to your family since well before you were born. Uh, when, when did you first become aware of the work your family does in, in philanthropy? So um, it's kind of a crazy journey. Um, philanthropy is sort of a buzzword of today, but philanthropy was just part of the family business. Whether it was your family or your business or the community, the Boat family had a role and an expectation or responsibility, if you will, to make society as a whole better than when you arrived. So with roots going back to the early 1800s, philanthropy was about being neighborly and doing what was best for the good of the whole. The Boke family had strong Presbyterian roots. And so as the company expanded stores across the South, it gave money for brick and mortar to build Presbyterian churches in those communities. Um, the Boke brothers worked as partners until Dr. Boke's death in 1928. And so both men of faith, John and William, believed strongly in community stewardship and made a practice of helping build churches in these new communities where the stores opened. After his death in 1928, the formal beginnings of the Boke Foundation were created, today valuing nearly $50 million and supporting public education, especially K-3 achievement and excellent teachers and school leaders. I've been on that board since 1992 and I'm very proud of the work that they do. Um, during my retail career at Belk, and as I said, uh, business and community were one in the same. At the store level, the store managers were involved with community leadership and service, whether it was a local board or local fundraising or just a local employee in need. Um, also, as I moved on to the corporate office, the employers, um, I guess dating back to the late 70s, had created sort of this good neighbor fund. And so they would have random events like you could pay 50 cents or a dollar to wear jeans to work on Friday or um, a, a school drive or at Christmas time, uh, your department would, would uh, adopt a family in need during Thanksgiving and Christmas and you were a good neighbor. And then also during uh, Hurricane Katrina, there was a huge uh, initiative there. And then um, that was just sort of my first experience into the interconnectivity of both of them. Yeah, I appreciate that perspective on, you know, sort of being neighborly from the beginning of philanthropy, what, you know, kind of what where it all roots back to. Um, so your dad, uh, it's hard to have a conversation with you about without bringing your, your, your father into the conversation because, you know, it's John and Belk and he's got obviously a a legacy, a lasting legacy. But you mentioned the store. They they actually grew that store into the largest. Uh, I didn't realize this uh, until I got to know you, but into the largest privately held department store in the entire nation. He then went on to, you know, so he served four terms as mayor of Charlotte uh, amongst 
all the other things he's done. You mentioned earlier kissing, kissing the television screen. Uh, good night. Uh, what was it like growing up with a father that was in the spotlight? Hmm. Well, growing up with a father in the spotlight. Well, first of all, he was always just my dad. And we were like peas and carrots. We were really close. I was like a little puppy and followed him wherever he went to the office, on the store visits, mayor campaigns, city events, um, you know, running the timing of stoplights across the city and how they worked, uh, citywide church services. I got to see a lot of Charlotte and how it worked and through the eyes of a child, but the, with the lens and the perspective of responsibility that comes with the envisioning a future for a city and its people. Um, you know, it was really exciting. He was an amazing storyteller. So it was fun to watch him in a crowd. He got his energy from people. He never met a stranger and he could talk to anyone about anything. And he believed deep in his soul that everyone had a story to tell. And he wanted to know what that story was. Yeah, he's, uh, I've heard many stories from uh, others. And, and certainly Governor Hunt has shared some, some great stories. But yeah, n- never met a stranger. I've heard that saying about him. Um, so fascinatingly enough, you studied sociology and communications at Roanoke College. Uh, and your first professional role after graduation was working in alumni relations. Uh, was that a conscious decision on your uh, your part to sort of stay clear of the family business? How did how did that how did that work out? Yeah, what an insightful question today. So, Roanoke College is located in Salem, Virginia. It's in the valley between the Blue Ridge and the Appalachian Mountains. Um, it was a D three school where I ran track and cross country. But the best part was that they didn't have a bulk store there yet. And yet. There's uh, one there now, I suspect. Yeah, and, uh, I, know. Uh, I know Belk is in Virginia, having is a lifelong Virginian, uh, and I know the expansion and the footprint is definitely up here. So, uh, um, so th- there was some design to that. I see. Got it. Um, so you obviously did find your way home. You referenced your your, your work in retail earlier. Um, First, you worked for the Belk uh, Incorporation uh, for a few years, then at the Belk Foundation, which focused on funding initiatives and early childhood and, and teaching, and then now the Belk Endowment. Talk about that journey. What has that been like for you? So, yes, yeah, so after I graduated college, um, I spent um, the summer and then a few years after that working in their summer events program and their alumni relation at Roanoke College. Um, and then I took a variety of roles within Belk Inc. And overall, it was an amazing learning experience. I've been a sales area sales manager in juniors, all things men's, um, the shoe department, and sort of a medium sized town. Um, assistant store manager. I have so many funny stories and scary stories I could tell you. Um, assistant buyer in soft home goods. And which is like towels and sheets, um, and then a product manager, assistant buyer, and men's furnishings, and in private label. Um, I love working in the stores and especially customer service. There's nothing like uh, running into real human um, problems and and helping to solve them. Also works at the Belk Foundation for a couple of years as um, sort of a a program officer. There I developed and maintained and managed a portfolio of grants with a focus on community development and provided strategic planning to align 
the foundation with the direction of Belk Inc. Then I moved to lead to the John Belk Endowment after our founder's passing. It has been one of the most gratifying experiences in my life. It truly is the intersection of education and workforce. The passion and dedication from the people we've met across the state, working in our state institutions and supporting government agencies and nonprofits inspire our work each and every day. So prior to the pandemic, what was the Belk Endowment vision for funding over the next five or 10 years? And how has the pandemic sort of shifted your priorities for, you know, for the foreseeable future? If I mean, if at all. Mm, great questions. So the endowment's mission is to transform post-secondary education to meet North Carolina's evolving workforce needs. Um, we landed on that in the beginning in 2012 because the retail industry was really impacted in multiple different ways. In the 1980s, it was made in America and the pride that it produced. And then you move on and you saw how small and medium-sized towns were impacted with manufacturing that moved overseas. And then we saw the onset of technology and how that has changed the retail industry upside down. So our team focuses on three funding priorities based off the UNC Demographies Leaky Pipeline Report. One, access. Many of our state's young people and adult learners fall through the leaky education pipeline due to affordability of post-secondary. The complexity of awareness and the process of filling out FAFSA, federal financial aid forms, is so complex. And last year, our state left $150 million on the table that our 108,000 high school seniors could have used to pay for post-secondary. A future in seat in partnership with the College Foundation of North Carolina launched a statewide first and FAFSA campaign that directly engages our state's public high schools at the local level. It is a really exciting project. And pillar number two is completion. Business and industry are end consumers of the education pipeline, and our nation and our state is in a talent crisis. This was true prior to COVID, but it's even more important now. Enrollment is a critical step in the post-secondary journey, but completion should be the ultimate goal for all. Alignment with our deep community colleges focuses on completion, and we enjoy partnering with the North Carolina Community Colleges. Our third pillar is this workforce development, building the talent pipeline that we will need for today, tomorrow, and in the future is the critical mission with a focus on collaboration across sectors and industries. And so although COVID has been devastating for many of North Carolina's families, it has given our team to hit pause and to assess who we are and what we're doing. We spend a lot of time, like many others, on Zoom being the listening ear to our 58 community college presidents. And with the flip of a switch, helping them navigate the fast paced change that COVID brought and validating their leadership during these unprecedented times at the local, regional and state level. I'm proud of our North Carolina community college system and their 58 presidents and the leadership that they provided to many communities across the state during such hard times. So in your conversations with institutions of higher education, you mentioned the, 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 the Awake 58 is, I think, the, um, 
the namesake for the, you know, sort of the movement that you all have sort of helped launch. Um, but you've also been visiting, uh, I know, post-second higher education four-year institutions. I know you and I were recently on a uh, visit to, um, regards to our NC10 uh, initiative um, with Johnson C. Smith University in Charlotte. What are you hearing right now? What are administrators aiming to focus uh, their funding on? How do they, how, how do you think, how do they anticipate coming back from this pandemic? I think they need a lot of um, sort of moral support. We're hearing from colleges and universities an appreciation that they are receiving unprecedented infusion of funding from state and federal COVID stimulus packages. From our conversations with HBCUs, our four years, and our community colleges, we're hearing of efforts to strategically address both short-term triage needs and longer-term, more systemic ones. Generally speaking. Much of what we've seen and heard is an effort along the education continuum to work as innovatively and collaboratively as possible to ensure the highest level of impact. In addition to that, broadband and the access and the spread of it across our 100 counties is critically important to the future of our education continuum, but also to business and industry. So I always like to ask our guests about their connection with Governor Hunt. Um, how and when uh, did you become acquainted with Governor uh, in, in the Institute's work? Um, what was your first encounter with the Governor or the Institute? So one of my favorite pictures in the lobby of our office was dated on April 5th, 1985. Um, it was taken at the opening of the John and Boat Freeway with Governor Hunt NC Department Transportation Secretary Bill Robertson, Mayor Eddie Knox, and my mom and dad and myself. I was 12 years old. It was a very unusual experience. Um, but the endowment became acquainted with the Hunt Institute because of their laser-focused mission to provide unbiased research, technical expertise, and learning opportunities that equip and empower educators, policymakers to drive equitable reforms and become audacious champions for education across the nation. Their mission aligns strongly with the endowment's goal to increase educational opportunities to meet North Carolina's evolving workforce needs. Education in and of itself isn't enough and it must be tied to the workforce. But meeting Governor Hunt and following his lifelong career is inspiration to not only to me and so many others in North Carolina, but people across the nation. Indeed, indeed. Uh, you know, this is really about you, but I'd be remiss not to tell you a story about my first, uh, my uh, one of my favorite stories to tell. It's really, it's a Belk uh, department store. I was vacationing. I was working for Governor McDonald, Virginia. I was vacationing in the Outer Banks uh, and I got a call uh Late night, uh, I forget what day of the week it was, but I was, you know, I, I was on vacation, so there was no suit and the uh, no garment bag accompanied me to the beach. So I uh, did not want to show up in swim trunks and, you know, in a swim shirt. So uh, I was stuck on the Outer Banks. I'm three and a half hours away from home and I'm supposed to be in Norfolk, which is like 45 minutes uh, from the Outer Banks the next morning for a bill signing ceremony in a press conference. Uh and I was like, well, hey, I'm on vacation. And apparently, if you work for the governor, you're, you don't get to vacation if the governor's not on vacation. So I had to, I was a, a lesson learned there. So nevertheless, I roll up into the Outer Banks Belk Department store and 
the team there took great care of me and I was on my way uh, the next morning looking dapper as one could be considering that, you know, I didn't get a, a they had taped my pants at the bottom. Uh, and this is, I'm a grown professional man at this point, but I had put together something. They put together a nice ensemble. And so I always love telling that story because those are the things And Belk, the Belk uh, team was there. So when I had a chance to visit with you for the first time, uh, I remember thinking, so this is the Belk lady. This is the Belk lady. And the coolest part about you is you're just MC. And uh, that's why, that's why I think I have such a, great a admiration for you just because of your humility and and your drive to be part of the solution so i uh, w- wanted to take that moment to share that with you i appreciate all that you are and have done for us and and for the work and for the field um, beyond the hunt institute so we're um we're so fortunate to have partnered with you uh on so many fronts one partnership that i'm really excited about and i know uh, we're it's timely because we're having these conversations now where you're uh notifying young people of their selection into the John M. Belk uh, Impact Fellowship is this sort of internship program for college students that we've created collaboratively. Um, interested in, you know, these are young people interested in social impact. Talk about the genesis of this program. So I'm so excited about the Impact Fellows. Um, these, our state's young people are so talented and it is so much fun. And so hopeful to to talk to them and and to learn and hear from them. Um, The Impact Fellows was birthed um, by us um, having multiple conversations and and our teams having conversations during COVID and our nation's racial awakening. We wanted to directly solve um, the diversity career exposure in our respected career fields of politics, policy, and philanthropy. We believe they both play a very critical role in influencing the change we wish to see in this world. I think we were inspired by Gerard, um, the founder of Year Up, who said it's never the wrong time to do the right thing. And he had created an innovative education and workforce initiative that inspired our model for finding diverse talent. Javade, we are always sourcing and cultivating talent in both of our organizations and wanted to create a year-long paid internship for our state's young people while they were navigating their post-secondary journey that would create real-world experiences that they could put on their resume while finishing their degree or certificate. And that's what it's all about. It's been an honor to do this with you. Well, it's, it's our pleasure, and I agree with you. The paid fellowship is a game changer, especially for our uh, communities of color and our low-income students uh, that otherwise would not be able to sort of participate in, in mo- many of these unpaid fellowships. And and, um, and we're seeing that bear out one in the first cohort, and certainly in this uh, uh, cohort two as it's coming together. I think the majority of it will be a majority minority uh, cohort two, as was cohort one, and 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 I think equally strong if not stronger um so i'm excited about as you and i talked about i'm thinking 10 years down the road where are these you know these young people going to be 10 years from now and the the game changes they're going to be uh in the state of north carolina so i'm really stoked about the future for them and i'm really thankful for you leaning in and being part of a a bigger set of solutions uh for individual groups uh, of young people um so you and I are close in age, uh, which means we both have a lot of a career in front of us. Uh, what do you envision as the future uh, in, in your future or the future of the endowment? 
So from the beginning, um, the Belk Endowment has worked tirelessly to build relationships across our state to ensure that we're listening, learning, and lifting up the most critical needs and opportunities in the broader education ecosystem. Um, we see our team doubling down on that approach that aligns and coordinates state, regional, and local levers for the good of the whole. Uh, we envision a future that North Carolina is stronger together and that we are elevating through education to build a more inclusive workforce that meets our state's evolving business and industry talent pipeline that's required for day, tomorrow, and in the future. And I'm excited to do this alongside you and your team. Well, MC, thank you so much for joining me today and for being such a fantastic partner uh, and certainly friend of the Institute. Um, very much uh, grateful for your leadership and, and your collaboration. Listeners, thank you for tuning in. To learn more about the Hunt Institute, please visit our website at hunt-institute.org. Until next time, I'm Javed Siddiqui.